Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Friends, real quick, don't freak out on me. This is not an operating room, and I am not an expert. So this is how it's going to work. This podcast is not about me and my opinions, but rather it's about starting a conversation with some well-respected men and women in their communities, all from different backgrounds. I want to put a disclaimer that not every opinion on this podcast is the end-all be-all. And that is the point. This topic is murky and confusing. So let's use this as an opportunity to be open-minded, listen, and gain some insight to apply to our own lives. You feel me? I am so excited about our guest today because he is a longtime friend of mine, as well as the pastor of my church here in Los Angeles, Gare Jones. Gare is originally from England, so yes, he has an amazing accent, and he was raised in a dynamic Christian home with a father who was a pastor, a church planter, and a missionary. But Gare didn't start out in ministry. He actually pursued law school, he was a lawyer, and then he worked in brand management. So he has quite a diverse background. During his career life, God began to stir Gare's heart towards full-time ministry, and then at the end of 2004, Gare and Lizzie moved with their children to seminary at Regent College in Vancouver, where Gare then completed his Master's of Divinity. Gare was then an associate pastor at Holy Trinity Church in Raleigh, North Carolina for a few years, and finally in 2010, he was invited to move to Los Angeles and plant a new Word and Spirit Church. In January of 2011, their family moved to Santa Monica and launched a new church, Vintage Church, on Easter Sunday with an enthusiastic core of 20 people. Vintage was planted with a commitment to Word and Spirit ministry, intimacy with God, loving mission, and deep community. And since its launch in 2011, it has grown to over 1,300 in Sunday attendance over three campuses across Los Angeles. I am so incredibly thrilled to have Gare on the podcast today for the very first episode because he is just such a passionate person. He speaks from the heart, and I just so admire his loving relationship with his wife, Lizzie, who is a mentor of mine. So I really and truly hope you enjoy this first ever interview with the amazing Gare Jones. Here we are today, Gare Jones. My goodness, it is such a delight to have you on the podcast today. You know that you are here welcoming us into one of our first episodes on the heart of dating. Are you as excited as I am to start this journey? It's a pleasure, Kate. Thanks so much. And I hope I may have one or two things which might be helpful. I'm not too sure. I think you do. <laughs> but it's a great pleasure to be here. Thanks. Mm, thank you. Well, you know, I think we've known each other for about two and a half years now. That's right. Because I don't know if I ever told you this, but I moved to Los Angeles two and a half years ago, and Vintage was the very first church I ever stepped foot in, and I have never left since. Wow. Yeah. You you should try out. So there's amazing other churches in town. <laughs> I've seen a few of them, but you know, I've been hooked since day one. Well, it's a great joy to have you. Thank you. For everyone else who doesn't know, Gare Jones, he pastors a church called Vintage in Los Angeles, and um, he just preaches with such heart and soul. And I also don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, Gare, but I probably have to admit that I almost tear up and cry in about three quarters of your sermons because you just hit it at home with the heart for me. <laughs> so, What happens in the other quarter? <laughs> 
I'm just left in awe. I'm speechless. <laughs> Those are the duds we don't talk about. No, no, they're all amazing. <laughs> it's very kind. Oh very kind. Gosh. Well, we just try and preach Jesus. Yes. And hopefully, Jesus. he is the one who. Uh, we want to glorify and we want to talk about. Yes, and you do an amazing job of that. And Gary is married to his amazing wife, Lizzie. They have three kids. And Lizzie is a very special woman in my life as well as a mentor to me. So they are just such an aspirational couple to me. And so I'm super excited to hear your thoughts on dating. And I know you've been married. How long have you been married now? We married in 2000, so that makes the math easy. So 17 years, 18 (laughs) years coming up in October. That's awesome. Okay, so last summer as well, I had the honor of being asked by you guys to speak at our conference on the topic of how to date well in Los Angeles. So You did a great job. I've heard amazing things. (laughs) Awesome. So let's get right on into it, onto the topic, shall we? So today is the introduction of the Heart of Dating podcast. We are going to kind of go over some of the dating staples that are needed to make sure your priorities are in line as a Christian prior to considering dating so that you can start to develop a worthy dating relationship. How does that sound? Sounds daunting, but we'll have a go. (laughs) Okay, let's dive right on in. So I guess the first question that I want to ask you is this. Dating really has developed as a product of our culture and society, even in the last few hundred years. So if you had to kind of define dating, what would you say that looks like as a Christian today in 2018? I know that's a loaded question, so maybe just the SparkNotes version. Yeah, well, obviously my dating experience is prior to the year 2000. And so that may be a bit different to today. But I think the general goal is the same, Mm. that in Christ, uh, he brings us together into a marriage and that marriage is something beautiful, it's a gift from the Lord, and uh, we all know that God looked at man and said, it's not good for man to be alone, and he brings us together as a reflection of the gospel to glorify Jesus, and that pursuit of that holy matrimony is, is a godly kingdom pursuit, and so dating at its best is pursuing that purpose, pursuing what God has for us in marriage. And so when dating is within that umbrella and within that pursuit, then it's exciting, it's great. There are obviously some helpful practical things to go about doing that. Um, But dating can mean other things as well. And so uh, that's when maybe some of the problems and challenges come into it as well. But uh, at its best, dating is that beautiful journey of finding the person that you are going to love and serve for the rest of your life for the glory of Christ. Wow. That's a beautiful definition. I love that. Thank you for defining that for us. So there are many of us who feel lost about how to date well, especially in the Christian world, because um, you know there are some limited resources that we have today on really what to do right and what to maybe not do. So what would you say is the thing that is going the most wrong, per se, with how Christian dating is going right now? Well, I don't have a front row view of all that's going wrong, but the challenges I see are many. And I think obviously the increase in social media and the digital world for dating um, has really added a whole new dimension from when I was dating. Um, But from a pastor perspective, the greatest ambition I have in helping people in dating well is to really begin with the first steps, the priorities of really asking the question, why am I dating? And getting your priorities right, getting your agenda right. Many people date out of reasons of loneliness or many date out of, I just want to have fun. Uh, Maybe I want intimacy without commitment. And really, if we're going down those roads, dating can become messy. It can 
become hard and it can break hearts and it can be quite damaging. And so I try and help people with really begin with the question of why. Why am I doing this? And are my priorities right so that I can begin healthily dating and actually see it with a biblical end in mind? And when those foundations aren't in place, it can be damaging. So getting our priorities straight first before we date, how do we test if our priorities are right? How do we practically, as Christians, do that? Well, I think there's always fruit in our lives that reflects the underlying state of our heart. Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. And fruit is a big deal. And so we're looking at the fruit in our lives. When I look at dating, I go, well, simply the criteria for me dating healthily is are you pursuing Christ in all things so far as you're aware? Am I wanting to glorify Christ in my life? I may be really immature. I may be taking my first steps, but my heart is wanting to follow Jesus. And if that's in place, well, you'll start to see fruit of that. You'll start to see uh, increased passion for his community, for his church. You'll want to see a fruit of, wow, the gospel is actually changing my life. I, I am starting to live out a life of grace. When something goes wrong in my life, I don't beat myself up, but I run into the ocean of grace and pursue Christ more fully. And so there'll be signs that you can see in your own journey that will reflect, okay, I am, I am pursuing Christ. For example, oh my word, I, I'm starting to serve in church. I would never have thought of this, but I want to actually serve others and be a part of the body of Christ. Oh my word, I'm starting to give to church. I was always one of those cynics about church just wants your money. And there's lots of damage there, of course, and that's a lot of damage has been done by church in that area. But there is this heart of, I want to be all in. I want to use my time, talents, and treasure for the kingdom of God. And we start to soften in our heart toward the purposes of God, not only in the church, but also in my own priorities in life. And again, it's not that you reach some level of significant maturity in these. It's, I'm actually seeing the first fruits in my life that there's a genuine hunger for the things of God, more than my selfish desires or the things of this world. That is the fruit, I say, of a heart that's been captivated by God. And you can now actually see, well, where does marriage fit into this? Where does dating fit into this? Because this is also an expression of the fruit of the gospel in my life is how I date. I think in some ways, though, in terms of priorities, in terms of having things together, I think some people, especially men in many ways, not just men, some women as well, get hung up on having it all together before dating. And I'm not just talking about where the status of their heart, but in terms of other things as well, like their finances or having the perfect job or the great, perfect apartment and the best car and all of these kind of more... Um, not heart-related things. Is it appropriate to date if you don't have those things together, if you're still navigating your career, if you're still figuring out where you stand financially in those different aspects of your life? That's a great question. I think I've never quite understood the I don't have it all together yet, therefore I'm not ready to date. Because the point of a spouse is serving one another in our brokenness and helping each other become all that we can be in Christ. So the reason that we are to find a spouse is that we can mutually help one another grow and be who Christ has called us to be. So that assumes that you're not in a perfect state. It assumes that you need help. It assumes, <laughs> help me. It assumes that you want to actually say, 
I want to find someone who's incomplete, but I see the, their potential in Christ. I see who Christ has called them to be. I see that glorious future of this person. And I want to be part of God's journey in their life to help them be that person. And that will never be complete until we see Christ face to face. And then we'll go, wow, I knew it. I knew you were going to be this amazing. I could see it when I married you. And I had the privilege of being part of that journey to see you mature and vice versa. And so the fact that we have to have it all together before we marry is almost defeating the point of marriage. The journey of marriage is the journey of maturity and growth. Saying that, I do believe <laughs> that there are some seasons in life where you go, you know, I'm not quite ready yet because I want to be in a position where maybe I've sorted out some of my priorities. Maybe I'm going through a time of grief in some ways or transition in some ways where I can't right now be that person of unconditional acceptance and love. I can't right now give that to someone I'm dating and then want to marry. Obviously, you don't give that until you're married. Mm -hmm. But right now, I, I need to sort that out. I need to sort my heart out. I need to sort out my priorities. I need to sort out some things that God is wrestling me with. Because actually, this goes to the very foundation of my agenda for marriage. Now, money has nothing to do with that. Career has nothing to do with that. Some of the best marriages are two people who are, though I have no idea where I want to be with my life, but I want to find out with you as we pursue Christ together. Uh, and so, yes, there are some times where you need to sort out those priorities and God is going, get this right now before you start on that journey. But those are character issues, not financial. They are kingdom issues, I like that a lot. not your career. And so sometimes it's like, get them sorted out. And then if they are in a reasonably healthy place, it's never perfect, well, then go for it. I see people, they're holding back from the dating process. For some, I'm waiting for something around the corner. When I get that, then I'm ready. I've never quite understood that. Part of the joy in marriage for me has been discovering life with Lizzie, my wife. Overcoming challenges in my own life with Lizzie. And I don't want to go through the next challenge I have alone. I want to have a companion who loves me and is there for me and going to point me to Jesus. She's not my Messiah, Jesus is, but she points me to him and helps me in that. So it could be great. Well, as opposed to waiting until that next thing comes along or you get that great beach house or you get that great Bentley or whatever it is you're looking for, why don't you go on that journey with someone else? I think something that people struggle with, though, still is kind of looking then, knowing that they're kind of broken and kind of maybe hearing that answer and being like, great, well, I'm a very broken person. Awesome. Let me just go ahead and start dating. Yeah. What is the boundary line between, yes, we are, we're not going to be fully perfect um, before we start dating, but what are maybe some of your top three essentials that we should maybe have or have together and with and have right with God before we start dating so that we know that we're not coming into it fully broken because of course that person is not going to complete right. us. Well, I think first of all, there's, have I got the foundations of the gospel in my life? Because if you don't have the foundations of the gospel in your life, you won't be filtering your marriage through the gospel. You'll be filtering your marriage through your, some other filter, the pursuit of happiness as opposed to holiness and God's glory, the pursuit of selfish satisfaction as opposed to servant-heartedness. So do I believe the gospel? 
do I believe that the gospel grid fits all of life, is not just my ticket to heaven, but is my joyful means of living in this world today, that the gospel is how I approach life generally. So that's number one. Also, knowing that actually the posture of marriage is giving, not taking. Am I actually, in my heart, able to do that? Am I going to be more of a blessing than a burden? Or right now, actually, am I going to drain the life out of someone? Because I'm taking, I'm receiving. I actually need help from Christ, some inner healing, or I need you know, I need a job because I don't have a job and therefore I can't give and help provide for my spouse. I'm actually just going to be playing, you know, Battlefront on the on my sofa waiting for my wife to care for me. You know, so <laughs> am I in a position that I am generally able to read Ephesians chapter 5 as a guy and go, oh, this is how Jesus laid down his life for the church. I'm called to do the same thing for a wife. Am I in a position where, A, my heart wants to do that? And secondly, that generally I'm able to do that with my time, my talents, and my treasure. Now I'm broken. I wish I had more treasure to lavish on my wife. I don't have much right now. I've got 10 bucks. But from what I have, this is what I want to do. And if I'm able to healthily just start down that road, then I would say you're ready. You know, you don't need a lot of money. You don't need any physical things at all except a heart that's saturated in the gospel, and you're leaning forward to basically saying, and I think I'm able to actually be a blessing to a future spouse and not a burden and a taker. Ooh, I love that. That's a really good heart check, I feel like, for a lot of us with where we're at and our selfish tendencies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, we we'll always, I mean, we're broken, and so we there will be a two-way dynamic. You know, I do need to receive and take from my wife where I'm hurting and I need her. She's my companion. She's my comfort at times. She's not, as we say, she's not God to me. But generally, am I able to adopt the primary posture of being a giver and being a servant to my spouse? And I love that because we can reflect serving someone else in dating, even before marriage, right? right. And so right. I think in my thoughts, dating is a great opportunity to serve someone else. Even if they don't end up being your spouse, you're still serving them through dating them well. Right. Dating won't help you do that. Dating is a good sign of, oh my word, I'm a burden, I'm a taker, and I'm generally leeching off this girl. And hopefully you'll have guys around you who can say that. And so I think dating and marriage uh, is not something you should rely on to transform you into this person. They are the great litmus tests. And so I think you have friends around you to say, and I think it's, it's not common, but there will be times where people go, you know, you shouldn't date right now. You've got you've got some real heart issues to deal with because you'll just be a blessing. You know, the, the call of the Christian life is we're blessed by Jesus to be a blessing to others. And if your primary posture right now is I'm not able to bless someone I'm dating with, they don't feel closer to Jesus because I'm dating them, then maybe I need to pause and go back to the Lord, get some guys around me, and help me work some things out. You know, just as you said that, this just came into my mind, but I love that thinking, am I a blessing to someone I'm dating right now or the person I'm dating right now? How important is prayer intimacy in a dating relationship? Because I feel as though sometimes people are afraid to to bring that in right away. Right. Um, I actually do think it's a bit, it's to be handled very carefully because prayer 
together creates an intimacy which, if you're not careful, can fast forward you down the road of discernment too quickly. It's like sex. Sex is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Sex is the same thing before marriage. There's lots of reasons why it's not healthy outside of the covenant of marriage. One of the reasons is that it brings you into a place of such intimacy with someone. It clouds your discernment. Should I actually commit to this person for the rest of my life? And you can end up making some unwise choices. Because in the physical intimacy of sex takes you kind of way over some other off-ramps you would have taken. Yeah. Same thing with prayer. Prayer can do that in a spiritual sense as well. That you can actually be, become so intimate in prayer together that you're now actually ignoring some other signs of this is maybe not a person that'd be wise to commit to for the rest of your life. And so I would just take it easy and build up prayer. Certainly never in a dating arrangement, certainly before you're engaged, I would never recommend to anybody to have that person as your primary prayer partner. You know, have some buddies around you. Who are the people you go to for intimacy of prayer and vulnerability, confidentiality, in, in, in intimacy? You know, go to them. And if you do pray with someone you're dating with, then it's, I would probably say, think outward in that prayer. You know, pray for the lost. <laughs> pray for God to break into the city. Um, but probably hold the, okay, pray for each other in intimate ways until at least you're engaged when you've made that other discernment checks, is this person someone I want to spend the rest of my life with? Now, I'm not saying there will be lots of needs you can pray for each other. You know, we always pray for healing for each other. We always pray for guidance. I'm talking about the intimate stuff, you know, in the healing moments or these are the real issues that are going through my heart right now. I would reserve those until later and reserve those for your buddies that you hopefully are in a weekly relationship with some friends that you can pray through those things. Love that you just brought that up too, friends, that you can pray through other things with. Let's talk just a minute about mentorship. Um, I think that we all know we need it, but probably not enough people actually have it. I know for me personally in the past, I used to think mentorship was seeking the advice of all of my friends, but I soon realized that wasn't necessarily being careful about who I was giving information to and who I was receiving information from. And it ended up sometimes in relationship being more detrimental because I was actually not filtering the advice. So mm. what what kind of mentors are, and I, I feel that probably happens to a lot of people. We have, are excited about a relationship and you want to tell everyone about it. Yeah. So what kind of mentors, specifically mentors, are healthy in dating? And should we be seeking a plethora of advice, different ages? How do we, what is your recommendation? Well, I think firstly, I'd have someone who really knows you and your ugly side, right? You yeah. trust them. I've got one, I'm sure. You might have yeah. not have one, Kate. I don't know, but I certainly have one. And have people who know your weaknesses, your temptations, where the enemy really gets you. And in a relationship, in dating, that will all be very uh, alive in you. So, and the ugly side of us can make us ignore yellow flags, can make us do stuff we wouldn't normally do. And because... Love and marriage and dating is such a highly emotive environment. So have, I would have one person at least in your life who you can say, hey, buddy, I'm dating this person. You know my weaknesses. You know what 
if left to my own devices, I'll probably do this, 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 and this, you know, <laughs> and just keep me accountable to that. You know, uh, let's chat weekly. I'll be vulnerable with you and you keep me accountable, not in a shameful way, but in a life-giving, you're for me. I know I, you love me. You want the best for me. And so I'll trust your advice. And I'll trust you telling me the hard word as well. I'll trust you saying, yeah, stop being such an idiot. You know, you're not blessing this girl. And so I trust you with that. So I have someone like that. I also think it's great to have mentors in your life who you respect in the areas that you're going through. Right. Which is why there's no one mentor that we should be going, oh, I wish I had a mentor. It's like, well, there's lots of people in life who you admire. And whatever you're going through right now in your life, there's going to be someone who's ahead of you in that area who you admire how they navigated that when they were there. And you wish you could be more like that. And that's the person you should text or call or pester after church or whatever and say, hey, can I grab a coffee with you? I want to ask you some questions about how you navigated these areas because I really respect you in that area. And you're not putting a burden on them to meet weekly then for the rest of your life and most people don't have mentors because mentors are freaked out they're going to be in this life-sucking relationship for 10 years. And it's like, I don't know how much I can give you. But if you say, no, I, just, I actually just want to take you for coffee and I really want to know how you navigated some issues, they would love to help. And so you take them out for coffee and you can either do it again if they're up for it, but you'll get some great advice. And so if you admire someone in the dating world, if you saw someone, wow, you dated well, and now you're married, and it seems like your marriage is going really well, can I actually take you for coffee and get your advice about what happened in your dating, what went well, what you struggled with? That's great advice. Because I feel often we, as singles, surround ourselves by other singles. Right. And it's easy in cities like Los Angeles here, where you know a large percentage of our church even is single. Yes. So we, a lot of my friends happen to be single. But I think there is such value in having mentors in your life who are married yeah, or engaged or just in that other phase. Because if we're only asking our single friends for mentorship and advice, they haven't necessarily been on the other side. So there's a limit to maybe how much they... Yeah. advice they can provide. Absolutely. If you see, you want to choose a wise um, partner in life, you want to choose wisely, find a spouse that you're going to have a, have a great marriage with. So if you see someone's done that, they're the person to learn from. There are also single people who live a single life really well. They live a single life for the glory of Christ. Yes, they would love to be married, but it seems that they are content with what God is doing in their life. And sometimes it's helpful to take them out for a coffee and go, in this journey of seeking marriage and finding a spouse, how do you be so alive in your faith? How do you be so seemingly content on the outside when I know that you'd love to be married? Tell me about that. And they're great to learn from as well. So oftentimes as well, I think I just mentioned it earlier, but we, when we get into a relationship, everyone around us gets excited. They want to know all the details. How do we navigate telling our friends about what's happening or about the relationship and kind of also limiting how many opinions and thoughts and advice that we're getting from other people? So how do we limit, especially because some other, some people's opinions may be not based fully in the spirit. So how do we navigate that and navigate the influences of others through dating? 
So that question is great for dating, but it's also for all of life, that we need to have wise people around us to help us navigate all the situations in life. Right. It's great to be in a body of Christ in a church where you're not alone and you've got friends to give you great advice. The, the key is to have people who come at it from your worldviews, that they have a gospel grid. Uh, we want to bring glory to Christ in everything we do. Advice from that perspective is vastly different sometimes to advice from a, a different perspective. So you have to make sure, firstly, that I'm taking advice from people who have the same priorities and same agenda in life that I do. Right. Secondly, take advice from people who you, you trust. You know, they've been there before. They've got some fruit in their life in navigating situations like this in a healthy way. And that could be because they've messed up significantly, but they've learned from it. So I'm not saying we're all successful in things. But have people in your life who are great. They are gospel-centered. They actually have some wisdom in this area through life experience. And thirdly, they love me. You know, they're coming with the right agenda, the right motive. They're not trying to make themselves feel great because they're giving me advice. They're, they want the best for me. They're not actually secretly jealous and therefore secretly trying to sabotage things. Um, they're not bitter about something in their past, and so they just can't handle anyone else having a, having a successful relationship. Or they're just so sour on men that they're going to jump to the wrong conclusion and go, yeah, aren't all men beep, 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 beep. You know, are they coming generally from a healthy perspective? Or are they coming from an identity position in their own life, which kind of colors their view of what they think I'm going through? That's great. Having that filter and that lens is very important, yes. I would say. Um so we just talked about mentorship. In terms of community and dating and relationship, how important is community? And what is in that same context? Where, is there a healthy balance of hanging in groups in community and Christian community at, versus hanging alone? Some people I find take it to the extreme, not hanging out at all with community because there may be an infatuation. Others also go the opposite way and only hang out in groups to avoid temptation. So do you have any opinion on what is maybe a healthy balance? Well, I think firstly, you want to start pursuing someone that you've been able to observe already that generally have the right things in place that you're looking for, which you said before, you know, they love Jesus. They've got the same worldview that you do. Otherwise, you're going to have a really hard marriage because you'll be both wanting different things in life. You both want to pursue Jesus. And you both, frankly, want to get married for the right reasons. You know, you both don't see the other person as Jesus to complete you. You both have Jesus as your priority. So I say to people, there's no way of knowing that except to hang out in groups together, to kind of serve together, to kind of be in a context where, oh my word, you know, I was at, I was in the parking team and I saw so-and-so and just the way she greeted people, the way she turned up, turned up to serve, the way she prayed in the prayer meeting beforehand. Okay, she is someone that I want to keep my eye out for uh, <laughs> and vice versa. Right, And so there is a group dynamic, I think, healthily to begin with. That you don't start dating until you've noticed someone that you think this has got potential. You don't find that out on the first date. Oh, do you love Jesus? Or, you know, are you committed to the body of Christ? You know, what's your dream in life? Is it to pursue your own gain or is it for Christ's glory? You know, that should be sorted out, I think, prior in, in groups. So uh, otherwise you're going to go on a lot of dates 
a lot of one to two night dates. So I think the group dynamic is a really health, healthy way to start. And I think then, obviously, you progress to, hey, let's hang out and let's go on some dates together. But really, the best way is to constantly just be living alongside each other in the community of Christ where you're pursuing the things of Christ together. And that's where you really can discern, wow, yeah, this is someone who I feel that if we come alongside each other, not only will we as individuals come alive more in Christ, but I want to help her come alive more in Christ. This is amazing. And actually, it's really helpful if I can go on. I'm on a roll. Sorry, Kate. But yes, it's really helpful continue. because actually attraction is so much more holistic and varied than physical attraction. And what I've noticed with people is that when they serve alongside folks, when they worship alongside folks, when they are um, building the kingdom together, you start to realize the beauty of being attracted to someone in areas as well as physical attraction. I always think physical attraction is needed, is there, but it's, it's more than that. And actually that really gets exciting when it comes to dating because it's like, actually, this has got some serious potential because I not only love the outside of you, I, I think I'm really attracted to the inside of you. Your heart for worship in the Lord and for prayer or for other people, whatever it is that person is showing in their heart for the Lord. So um, the group thing is so healthy. It not only stops you just dating a million people, and that's not healthy. It also gives you more prospect to fall in love with someone where maybe if it was just one-on-one -on -one dating, you wouldn't fall in love with them. Because actually, some people, you fall in love and the story is, it was love at first sight. Some people fall in love, which I never quite believe, but some people fall in love and lots of people fall in love because it's like, you know what? I didn't even give that person a second look to begin with. But after a while, this attraction grew because we laughed together as we were serving together. We went on that mission trip and I just loved her heart for ministry. She's a, an amazing preacher and it's just, wow, what a, what a heart for the Lord. And I found this attraction growing. And that attraction is worth its weight in gold. That attraction is an exciting thing to have then for the basis of dating and potentially marriage. I love that you bring up the attraction element because I think as men and women, I've struggled with that in the past of having a laundry list of expectations and aesthetics being one of them and right. having a specific type and not just type where type meaning he does X, Y, Z kinds of things and looks this specific kind of way. Right. I find that a lot of people struggle with that. And right. so I, at this point though, in my journey, I kind of almost cringe when someone says that person's not my type. But are you judging them based on their the aesthetically how they look, or is it because of their heart? And I particularly, just to your point, believe that it's so important to open up your heart and let the Holy Spirit maybe change the way you view someone in attraction. Because what's more important, it, the physical attraction has to be there, but what's more important is the heart attraction, I, I find. Absolutely. Again, it comes back to what we're pursuing. If we're looking to find someone who satisfies ourselves, then you should have a huge laundry list. And the danger, of course, is then you're going to really struggle in marriage because guess what? They won't fulfill your list. You know? Right. <laughs> brown hair turns gray after a while. <laughs> you know? 
things droop and sag and get old. Everything looks different so after a while. you've just got to go, that's going to be a really, really tough marriage for you. And you'll put a lot of pressure on your spouse to keep performing to satisfy your checklist. And that gets exhausting. And that's why people can't do it. I think if you start actually with a gospel-centered view of marriage, you're seeing, oh Lord, you're going to call me alongside someone who I enjoy being with and feel a connection with. And you're going to call me into their life to, to help them become all that they can be in Christ. And they're going to do the same for me, which is, wow, what an amazing relationship that's going to be. And so fundamentally, I'm not here to satisfy my checklist of what I think I need to be a better me. I want to come alongside someone and I get excited. I'm attracted to who they are holistically. And I'm excited about, wow, this is going to be fun serving them and seeing them become who God has called them to be. And then the pressure's off one dimension of who they are as to whether it fulfills you or not. And so I think give yourself space to come alongside people and go, do I just get excited about this person? You know, it's not about am I in love as in terms of physically attracted to this bit or that bit or that. It's am I excited about this person? Do when we hang out, is there just kind of like, oh my, I love just I love being around this person. And this could be cool to go on a journey of life together. And if it's just physical attraction, you're on very thin ice. Many people, because it's just physical attraction, have deep regrets later on because they end up not respecting the person. So I would find someone you really respect. And for many, the physical attraction grows. Now, I'm not one of those guys who says the physical, physical attraction is not necessary. It is. But why don't you date and see if it grows? Find someone you respect and have a laugh with and just, wow, that person's pursuing Christ and I am. This is awesome. And I really just enjoy their company and I really respect them. Well, give space for physical attraction to grow. And if it does and it complements all the other good stuff, man, that's a grand slam. If it doesn't, then you go, okay, well, you know, we gave it a go and I just don't think this is something which is for me. But let at least allow, and I know this is hard for people, at least allow some dating relationships for the physical attraction not to be the entry point, but to be cultivated throughout your dating. That's great. I love that. It's a great challenge for, for our culture, for Los Angeles, where, especially in this city, so much of our standards are built on the way we look and our outward appearance. And that's in many cities, but just being here in Hollywood, I know that's a huge problem in this city. So I love that. It's a great challenge for people, you know, don't just go on a date with someone because they're extremely attractive. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'd come back to try and get, try and just notice people in the context of pursuing the kingdom together. And if you do respect them and do, and for me, having a laugh with someone, do you just kind of connect and you're just good friends? Well, that's probably a good sign. Well, let's, let's put our toe in the water and explore if this could develop into something more. There's so many great potential relationships that don't have an opportunity to blossom because a guy is expecting physical attraction 
to be the doorway into dating, whereas actually it cultivates along the way. Hmm. That's so good. Okay. I've had you for quite a bit of time here, but I have some other question that I want to really ask you. Go here. for it. Okay. So I want to fast forward to the ever looming part of dating, which is not our favorite part, which is breaking up. <laughs> so let's just get real about that for a second here. What are some of maybe the answers or faux, faux pas kind of answers that you as a pastor have been privy to hearing regarding the reasons for breaking up in a Christian relationship? Wow. Well, we do have a bit of a plague on our hands of bad breakups. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on the one hand, it's, it's understandable. Breakups are always hard. You know, it's no one ever should pretend it's easy. But I do think there is an opportunity for whoever's breaking up with the other person to either compound that by not being honest or at least to respect the other person and love the other person in being as honest as you can while in love, not out of cruelty. And so I think there is a sense of, you hear all this sorts of stuff about, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's not me, it's you, or I just need space right now, or God, you know, it's um, maybe, you know, I just need to work on some things and maybe, maybe, maybe in the future it could go back together again or whatever. There's a lot of, let's try and let that person down as gently as possible. And ultimately, that is really hurting some people because it's confusing actually, well, am I being broken up with or is this a pause or should I hang on? Should I hold on? And there's lots of people right now, I think, suffering from thinking that there's a chance still. And if I just hang out, if I hang around, if I pray, um, then the door will be reopened. That false hope, just holding on for dear life. Yeah, and ultimately the other person wasn't trying to give you false hope, wasn't trying to keep the door open, but just didn't have the the brave communication and the character, to be honest, and just say, I really respect you as a person, and I'm really honored to have dated you for a while, uh, but I actually just don't think that this is the future for me but I respect you and uh, I know this is hard. Um, but if possible, I, I, I hope we can still be friends, but I think I'm going to move on. So one answer I've heard from a plethora of people that men and women is the response of, I'm just confused. You're amazing, but I'm confused. I don't, I don't really know. So I have to break up with you because I'm confused. What do you think about that answer? Well, I think they are confused. Either confused, uh, honestly, or just confused about how to treat someone when you're breaking up with them. Mm. And so they could well be confused. And if you're on the recipient of that, it's like, phew, I don't want to marry someone who's that confused. <laughs> that was a really helpful thing you just said. If you're confused about me, well, I don't want anybody confused about me. I want someone to pursue me because they want to go on this crazy God adventure together. And I don't want someone who's constantly confused as to whether they want that or not. Dating is the... is supposed to clarify that confusion. So if you're still confused, well, that's our answer. And now, that's if they're being honest. Sometimes they're not being honest. They're using, I'm confused, as I just don't have the courage to say that I don't want to pursue this anymore. And in that case, you equally should be going, well, phew. <laughs> Whether it's true or not, it's actually, you don't even respect me enough to be honest with me. You're hiding behind, I'm just confused. You want me to have empathy for you 
and kind of you're playing the victim here. It's like, well, you know what? I don't want to spend the rest of my life with someone who would treat me like that way. So either way, I think the recipient of that is, you know what? The Lord be with you. Great. I hope you work your confusion out. Um, I'm going to bless you and move on. So if someone is listening right now and they're in a relationship that they're thinking maybe isn't going, the is they don't have they feel like they potentially want to break up with that person. What are the steps to really truly make sure as a person who is potentially going to break up with someone that that is the right decision? Because I feel as though a lot of people say, I don't have peace or I'm, I'm not sure. How do you navigate through spiritually? How do you make sure you're making the right decision? That's a great question. So I think this is why it's so important to surround yourself with godly friends who know you who know your vulnerabilities, who know your weaknesses, and you've said to them, you can speak into my life. I'll be honest with you. I trust you to love me, but also be truthful. Because sometimes you do need guys around you or girls around you to say, mate, let's process this together. You know, why do you want to break up with her? Why do you want to break up with him? And let's process this. Is this actually something that you just need to grow through? Like you've got a fear of commitment. Or you've got a checklist and, you know, your checklist isn't complete in every way. She, you know, he's got slightly smaller feet than you'd like. You know, we need to work on that, right? That's something that we need to work on. And that's not a joke. I mean, that's an example that I've heard that no. people genuinely... Yeah, and so, and so I think you do need friends around you to go, okay, am I breaking up for something that actually God's pinpointing something in my life through this dating relationship that is an opportunity for growth and healing in my life. And I shouldn't pull the ripcord and run from this relationship. Actually, I should thank the Lord that this relationship is drawing attention to an area that the Lord wants to grow me in. And by pulling the ripcord, I'm sabotaging the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. But you need friends to help you discern if that's the case. And so many people I see, particularly guys, pull the ripcord because they have got issues of commitment. They've got issues of identity. They've got fear, um, which is unresolved. And the dating relationship is teasing that out. And what an opportunity to then work on it. And it's a great gift then for you to go through the process of healing and uh, redemption in those areas of your life. Now, if you don't, and you get stuck in that place, then that's when you have relationships that date for years and years and years because one of the persons is hoping that the other person will eventually get to the place of commitment and overcome their fear. And that's not healthy either. And that's where the other person goes, man, I'm going to put a time limit on this. You know, you either overcome that or I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. And so you shouldn't wait indefinitely for that person to take their step of growth in that area because that's not your responsibility. That's between them and the Lord. And you have your own life to live. And you hopefully want someone who, in time, you have grace and patience with people, but you don't want to be stuck with someone who just can't actually get over that hurdle in a dating relationship. Wow. And breakups are certainly one of the hardest things to deal with and heartache and heartbreak. Um, but I think something that's good for people to know before going into dating is that dating brings up a lot of things from in, that you don't even sometimes know exist. So if you're not ready to also conquer some of those things, maybe 
maybe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, maybe it's not ready. You're not ready to date. If you're not ready to deal with some of the things that come up through dating. Well, I don't think you know if you are ready to date or not until you hit those landmines, right? Mm, and then it's true. like, hmm, my word, I got some things to work on right now. And wow, dating exposed that. Mm. You know, we all have blind spots and dating will expose it. Hey, guess what? Marriage is going to expose a heck of a lot more than dating does. And so, you know, that's why people say, I'm not ready for marriage. Of course, you're not ready. You know, you just have to, with the grace of God, go, he'll give me strength to get through whatever marriage brings up in my life. And so dating is, sure, it will bring up stuff in your life, but that's why you go, you make sure you go in it, into it with the gospel of grace as the foundation of your life, friends around you to love you, and you're not pursuing marriage just for your own selfish gains. That you go in with those three pillars and go, okay, with that view in mind, then dating, whether it works out or not with someone, is generally going to be a healthy experience. We've covered a lot of ground today. It's been such an amazing time talking with you, Gare. Thanks, Kate. It's been awesome. (laughs) Loved it. I feel like we really have a good, healthy picture of some dating essentials that will set us up for very good groundwork and dating must-haves in order to have a relationship that's glorifying to the Lord. So thank you for walking us through that. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You've been awesome. Wow, we did it. Episode one in the books. Boom. I really hope you all love listening to this very first episode of the Heart of Dating podcast. I also just want to say thank you for bearing with me as I start out this journey. I'm not going to lie. I was a bit nervous for this first ever interview, and I'm learning how to be even more conversational. So stay with me as I grow and learn and hopefully get even better. Gare provided us with some incredible foundational basics to set us off strong, so I truly hope you enjoyed all of his wise input and insight as it comes to dating. Also, if you support this mission, I'd love, love, love for you to hit subscribe on iTunes, please, please, please. You can also stay up to date with show notes on heartofdating.com, and you can follow along on Instagram at at heartofdating. And, you know, if you happen to know a friend or two that might need some dating help, I'd love for you to share this with them and get them to also support this. We have some amazing guests coming up in the coming weeks, and I am confident you will love it. So stick with me as we journey through this together. Until next time, friends.